Wouldn't it be great if three idiots picked apart each episode of your favorite podcast? We do that. Wouldn't it be great if we discussed the newest episode, ongoing theories, and predictions for what comes next? We do that. Wouldn't it be great if they didn't ruin the podcast at all and kept everything spoiler-free? We don't do that. You've been warned. Welcome to We Do That, a Taz fancast. I'm your co-host, Chris. And I'm your co-host, Dollar Store Dale Cooper. And and I'm your other co-host, Colin. This week's episode, Amnesty, episode 6. Though I really prefer it to be 2.1, but whatever. Amnesty 2.1, I kind of like it, I kind of dig it. So... It's the new episode of season two. Season two is out. Season two. They made it, y'all. How buck wild is that? Wild. The wildest. Very, the buckest of wilds. Uh, Okay, quick synopsis for you guys. Our gang gets back together in one episode, uh, which is amazing. Um, The first thing we do, and really it spans most of the episode, we get a look back. To what each of our trio did during their two months uh, between episodes. Aubrey uh, practiced magic and changed her voice. Um, Doc did some LARPing out behind his apartment. And Ned started a TV show. Uh, Also, um, some swim kid whose name I do not remember almost died in water. And that's the episode? Was it Oliver? I think his name's Oliver. No, Colin. No. No, that's me. Owen. Yeah, there's definitely an Owen, but I thought Owen was his last name. Owens. Owens. Was it Clive? Well, Clive Owens? No. No. Are we taken. Can't have two are, of those. Are we sh- Jesse Owens? I think we're getting farther that, from the truth. No, I think it might be Jesse. No, it's not Jesse Owens. Let's call them Andrew. Andrew Owens. I kind of, I kind of like Swim Kid. Swim Kid. It's swim like Stoop. It's like Stoop Kid uh, from Hey Arnold. Swim Kid never leaves his swim. I mean, it's a stretch, but he'd be real pruney. <laughs> you know, that's the price you oh, pay. Maybe for, he's just uh, always in swim mode, like he's always got. His trunks and his water wings and his goggles on, but he's not like in water. Oh, so he's like in aquatic form. Well, as much as humans are in aquatic form when they're in swim gear, is that the doggy paddle? Woof. Also, I've only <laughs> seen two episodes of Twin Peaks, so I just want to throw that out there. I cast <laughs> Zone of Truth. Uh I it it's been a really long time. I was, let's just go out. I was wrong. Whatever I said was right. Woods is not getting, it's wrong. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Uh, I am going to, I was wrong. I'm going to be over here. That we would open the episode and Duck would be training because he kind of enjoyed this sort of aspect of himself. And so while it didn't open the episode, that's kind of what we got from Duck. 
Um, yeah, fair. So I think like, that's a win for, I kinda win nailed for it. Jake Kulis. Yeah, I think that counts. Uh, I have no idea what I said. Um, I imagine it was probably like 80-20 wrong. So I'm going to take that as a victory. I'm going to take that W, that 20% W, and just rock it. It's yeah, a weird little, fair, little used version of statistics. And update the section in our notes to tell you guys what we talked about. So sorry. That's cool. Um, a larger apology to our listeners as well, as we've been way off of our schedule. Uh, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, I had some crazy travels over the last two weeks. Uh, Jake has had some crazy travels for the last week and then change. And uh, it's tax season for Colin, which means he just sort of disappeared for a while. Yeah. Now, so I, I did try to do the episode by myself with my my myself and you two as sock puppets. Um, <laughs> and I okay. just do the voices for everybody. It didn't go great. Can you please do your impression I of need... both of us now? Right. I do need that. <laughs> no, well, Auntie. it's much it's much nope. like Griff. Nope, it's, you have no choice wait, but to wait. do this thing. It's much it's much like Travis doing character voices. It's really just my voice. Just slight just slight variations. <laughs> just, Yet just... we still need to hear it. <laughs> Alright, so it's like alright, so I'm like, hey Chris, what do you think of the episode? Oh, I thought it was pretty <laughs> <laughs> Jay's <laughs> like, oh, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What I, yeah, oh yeah, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> did you did you keep in the long Jake pause where he accidentally mutes his microphone and talks for ten minutes and none of us oh, yeah. it? Oh yeah, wait, wait, and then we lose it all. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Uh... Sorry. So season two for us is going to be a sloppy start. So, yeah, I was like, oh, Jake, what'd you think? (laughs) Hey, I was really good. I didn't hit the table the whole episode last time. (laughs) It's fine. How often did you have my sock puppet go off and chase cats out of the room? (laughs) Most of your lines were, cats! (laughs) Cats! It was yeah, it was it a good episode. Surprise y'all listeners to know that we are not professionals. <laughs> uh, what you don't have an office cat? I just heard I just heard the collective gasp of our listening audience. <laughs> what? Amateurs? <sighs> but Boy. I found a way to give money. You didn't. It's not to us. Go get your money back. <sighs> Though that would be a, a, a weird grift. We're these three little-known podcasters who have, like, 40 very dedicated fans who they love dearly, and we are going to con them. Yeah. we'll just try to be, you know. I mean, it just needs to be a pyramid scheme at that point. Well, I mean... Like, we just take... We get our 40 dedicated listeners, which... uh, We crossed 1,000 downloads. How crazy is that? So it's definitely more than 40 of you. That's Um, crazy. Thank you so much. Um, It's crazy that y'all come to listen to us every week. Um, eh, weekish, weekish. But also, if you want to convince your friends to come give us money, we will give you a small cut. That's how pyramid schemes work, right? Yeah. Uh, I probably shouldn't have told you it was a pyramid scheme. <laughs> no, um, we prefer the term multi-level marketing. It's an upside-down funnel. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're the upline, and then you have a downline, and 
apparently Jake has found a way to profit that he hasn't shared with either of us yet. But we'll get there. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, Uh, I did just tweet out a picture of my desk. If I was profiting, I would not be using, like, a eight-year-old Ikea desk. (laughs) Nor would you leave your tax returns right on top of it. Uh, I saw you look. Uh, I guess. No, that's health insurance. All right. Well. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> so, somebody, please take that, steal it, pay for that, it. That's not sensitive information. Okay. Um, we've done a lot of bullshitting. So, you guys want to talk about the episode? I would love to talk about the episode. Let's uh, do it. How do we want to break this one down? We got uh, a lot of exposition, a little bit of plot, and we have let's strong chronologically. Feelings? Alright, so we kick off with our little sort of teaser intro from Griffin that we're going to be fighting a swimming pool. So, I've seen, you know, a lot of people talk about this on Twitter, um, but it was my first thought too was, oh shit, it's Glass Shark. Um, (laughs) And now it's not, but... I mean, we don't know it's not yet. It could be. Unless. He's gonna get you. Unless. Unless. Um, so it's, I think, based on the sh- the movements and shape, it seems a little too slow to be Glass Shark. Just gonna get you. I think, if we're, we're dealing with some sort of unknown water-based creature, uh, which is very cool, and I think, as what it gets pointed out later, is going to test some of the mechanics of how they figure out the weaknesses of things, because they, um, can hit things, can hit things, and set things on fire. Which seem ineffective against a puddle. Just yeah. drain the pool. Drain the pool. Just empty it. And you got a you got a monster laying there flopping around. And you just wait till it drowns in the air. Or whatever the reverse of drowning is. Air drowning. Okay, oh, so wait, been, hold on. Uh, season two of the Adventure Zone. Uh, <laughs> that's the end. No. Thank you, Colin. Um, I might seriously want to pursue this. Colin, are you taking the tact then that there is a monster in the pool? Because I was taking the approach that the monster is the water in the pool. Uh, it may it may be the water in the pool, but if you get rid of it and refill the pool, they can have their swim meet. And then the water is somewhere else, and you don't have to worry about it. It'll probably be just fine. Just in, in the sewers of the entire town, just probably being super chill and not bothering anyone. Yeah, I mean, Definitely it's probably cool. Anyone. Like, I don't know about you, but I think Razul Agul was the, the hero of Batman Begins. <laughs> oh, what was that name one more time? I do not remember his name. It's Razul? Razul? Razul Dazzle? Razul Ghoul. Yeah, keep Ghoul. it. Print it. <laughs> Batman hey, versus Razul Dazzle. <laughs> nope, he didn't do that one. Nope. Please don't ask Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we need to share less facts and more opinions because we're bad at one of them. Well, we're bad at bad both at of them, but one, <laughs> one of them no one could correct us on. Um, I thought it was a good opening bit. I appreciated, for the most part, its brevity. I think uh, Griffin still demonstrated that he has a way with words and painted a very evocative scene. Evocative as fuck, some might say. Um, sort of a weird tag online about the moonlight at the end, and I wonder if that was just descriptive that got sort of edited up and chopped up when he was editing, or if there's some sort of significance to Moonlight that we're going to come to experience later. Dancing well, I think I think they were saying, uh, I'm pretty sure he said that the like beasts show up once every two months, coinciding with the full moon. 
Which the I'm oh, pretty sure the full right. moon is like a once a month occurrence, isn't it? Does Griffin not know his lunar Again. phases? Again, that's a fact, and I just can't. I can't. Not on the internet. I won't share the things that I think might be facts on the internet. Uh, I mean, isn't the lunar cycle like 28 days? Yes? No? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Not gonna do it. Uh-uh. I've already been wrong on this episode. Uh, At least. 29.53 days. Griffin thinks. So like a month. Twice, yeah, Griffin says it's once every two months. And well, the I monster, think, so he I, said, I think he said he, the monsters show up with the full moon, which is once every two months. There's a full I moon think, every month. No, I think he said I the don't, monsters show up with the full moon every two months. No, yeah, I don't there's think a, so. it's a different phrasing. I think that the, it's not the full moon that triggers it, it's the two months, and it just, it's the full moon that's also happening then. But the full moon doesn't. You know, squares are rectangles, rectangles are not squares. Full moon once every two months, our time in the Sylvain. What? <laughs> no, no, I think that's a worse theory. Look, I'm going to say if this dude didn't know the difference between a bobcat and a mountain lion, there is a decent chance he was mistaken about the lunar phases. Uh, and how I good s- was it to receive that vindication, though? Yeah. It felt real good. So good. I. That's how I know he listens. Thank you, Griffin. <laughs> um, well, now that we've picked apart the first moments of the episode, shall we move forward to getting back to our uh, our good, good friends? Let's do it. We start with Aubrey. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great. Good. Sorry. Uh, we start with Aubrey, who I feel like has kind of a, um, a, a middling backstory for her last two months. Sort of the standard... I practiced fire and hung out with the one who might be my crush and sort of just did it. Uh, not a lot of, I mean, other than getting better and, and developing a little, you know, fidget with passing fire back and forth between your figures, not a lot of demonstrated growth, not a lot of stuff to go on for revelations that might come out. Um, though granted, I don't think we are left on quite the cliffhanger with Aubrey in terms of her personal development that we had for Duck and Ned at the end of the last Amnesty. Well, it, Aubrey it was... and Danny are now on my shit list because they made my boy cry. Your boy Jay Coolice, who yeah. wants to go hit the ramps. Ramps. Love ramps. Good skate ramps. You love what? Delicious. Uh... But so my boy Danny, cried, and it's their fault. He did well. It, it was was it not the onions? Shut up! That was really I mean, dumb. In a, in a way, the onions. Mm-mm, don't say it. Just don't yeah, finish that thought. No, because it's the ramps that made him cry. No, don't ramps say it. Are don't. onions? Nope. Don't do it. Um, one thing that I think is important to that you do get from these two months is um, when Danny says. That the other, not abominations, not really, the other people from Sylvain have, the Sylvans, Sylvanians? Sylvans. So, okay. Bomb-bombs. Bomb-bombs. No. Bomb-bombs. The bomb-bombs are the abominations. The Sylvans Uh, are everyone else. Anyway, she said that they were banned from going back, that they were in exile. 
Which is interesting because Barclay did go back with Mama during the mini arc. So... Yeah, was that? I don't know. Was that indicated that it was a uh, a purely a Danny thing, or is that all of the people who are currently at the Amnesty Lodge? Because I think we got we got hints of that tension in the mini arc that they were all at Amnesty Lodge because they were sort of uh, outcasts in Sylvain. But I don't know if we ever got like a full explanation of why they were there or what the circumstances were uh, or any detail on i mean we still only know three people at the lodge yeah what? danny barclay and mama and um, jake know, be nice to flesh that out a little bit uh but i think i think danny says that it's everybody there's in exile i that's what i took from it i i took it the same way and i hadn't i hadn't connected a bit about barclay going back um but I wonder if that's fine because no one else saw him. But well, or is it different because Barclay is part of the Pine Guard, so has a, a, a yeah, role his to job play is to protect, to go between. Yeah, whereas Danny, for whatever reason, is not like part of the Pine Guard. Seems confusing that they'd have all these capable yeah. Sylvans around who probably have powers and not use them to defend things. But you know, whatever. I'm not running the Pine Guard. That yet. that. That may be, um, and that would make sense, but uh, this is something that I think that was the most important revelation that we got from Aubrey's two months. That, and we did not get one mention of uh, Dr. Harris Bonkers. How did that make you feel, Colin? Great. I assumed he ran away or something. Yeah, it does seem like a very odd choice for as fixated as Travis was with his little rabbit friend that uh, didn't come up. It was not immediately like, oh, don't worry, Dr. Harris Bonkers is also here living in a hutch making crocheting something. Like, I don't know, like something very specific that he would interrupt Griffin for to make sure it was known. Yeah, but I'm I'm hoping it stays like that and, uh, you know, it... The rabbit just disappears from the story forever. I don't think that's going to happen. It seems very unlikely. I mean, I, I'm hoping. But who knows? You know, it's like the little sister from so many sitcoms. Like they go up to their room and then never come down for the rest of the sitcom. <laughs> right. They just sort of got written out, and no one decided to notice. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that's what happens. Or they bring it back at the end of season two. It's like, well, where has this, where has uh, the rabbit been? Oh, he was in uh, Time Out. Yeah. For a year and a half. Working on its uh, Nobel Peace Prize in soups. It's my Mm -hmm. favorite Nobel category. Uh... So then we get to, uh, we go to Duck. Um, And I think Duck, uh, Duck's story is similar in that sort of a little bit of that uh, typical montage, though I appreciate that Justin um, and Travis as well pointed out, like, we're not going to suddenly be great at things. Like, mm-hmm. we just spent some time getting better. Um, it was weird watching Justin and Griffin navigate the relationship between Duck and Minerva. Right, Minerva? Yes, yeah. Yes. Yep, you got um, it. Because they, uh, it's clear that Griffin has a plan, and the fact that she is non-corporeal or a projection 
is pretty important to him. And I imagine that relates to her existing somewhere in the world and sort of being a projection there. So not like a spirit that is interacting with a more magical force, but maybe something more on a technological side. Um, but Griffin really wanted this... Uh, Travis... Jesus Christ, Chris. Justin really wanted this moment where he was uh, sword fighting with her and using that to gain skills. And I, you know, the attention that they were, arrived at was sort of interesting as they thought their way through it. And I'm glad Justin won out because I think that is a good a good bit to have in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do think a lot of that sounded like stuff that could have... I mean, it's information we need, but a lot of that back and forth sounded like off podcast. It sounded like shop talk. Yeah. Um, we're just like, oh, I think he's been practicing. He's like, oh, yeah, Minerva's probably been watching. Yeah, uh, yeah all right. And uh, 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 so sometimes well, Minerva see, comes. I, 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 I and, kind of appreciated that because it it allowed us to be part of that. And that's one of the critiques that we had about some of these earlier ones was that it felt like there was shop talk that we weren't party to. And so it made it really hard to fully buy in. So I really appreciated that it really was sort of a collaborative, um, creative experience. Uh, yeah, I think, and I do think that as a rule, I would always prefer to hear the shop talk and OOC stuff than gain a more seamless experience. Yeah, and uh, I in terms of all those plot points, I think I think that's a fair point. Um, it just, it, it's I think it would it just felt so awkward. It kind of felt like uh, the initial scene with Ned and Kirby a little bit, which is like yeah, I, I, like you told me you asked me what he was doing. I'm telling you what he was doing, and now you're telling me that okay he was doing that, but Minerva was also there. And so I, right. I mean, you want me to know things that only you know, and I have no way to learn except through doing this. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it felt a little forced to me. I mean, I don't really have a problem with it, although I I feel like six fourteen. Um, if Doc is trying to keep it a secret, uh, he may choose a later time. Or well, and also, Justin says like he goes out into the woods and practices with his sword, and then he's like, oh, and then I'm in my backyard. Those are very different experiences. Yeah. And very different setups from what how Secretive is trying to be. It's not like Beacon is, you know, under the seat of his truck while he's out on patrol in the forest. And when he gets a downtime for a lunch break, he goes and he hikes up a trail and finds a secluded little copse to sit in and work, works on swordplay. It's like, I made a sandwich, poured a Coke, finished it up, 614, go out in the backyard, swing, swing, swing. It's a very different... Uh, it sets up a very different mentality for Duck to have towards Beacon and towards the swordplay. If it's if it's so commonplace that it happens in the backyard, it is not nearly as much as a hidden part of his personality as if he's going out deep into the forest where no one could see him to do these things. Well, I mean, I think that plays into the fact that we get some, uh, I guess, context that maybe Duck and Beacon aren't getting along super well. You know, I, I'm disappointed that we didn't hear from Beacon at all. Yeah, agree. You know, I feel like there would have been a moment where he challenges Minerva and does shitty, and Beacon has some remarks about it. That would have been nothing else. Would have been fun to hear. 
yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, especially because Beacon was the best part of the mini arc. Um, I did like Justin uh, coming up with names and instant backstories for all these people in the town. It's just like, deal with this, Griffin. You want us to help make this world? Here are some very specific people with very specific backstories and relationships to Duck. Right, that now need to exist in every episode forever. And I really hope change around some of Griffin's plot lines so that yeah. he has to count on some of these folks. Well, yeah, and Griffin seemed to roll with it, which I really appreciated. Because it would have been very easy for him to be like, no, actually, your neighbor is so-and-so. Right. Um, no, you live in a one-story house. Like, yeah. You rent a one-story house, not a fourplex or whatever. Yeah, I agree. It showed a lot of... Um... I mean, it'll be really interesting. I think he will find a way to weave it into the plot because uh, he did that so many times in balance. But I did, I really did appreciate that flexibility of just, all right, um, yep, there's a Mr. General Storekeeper man. Um, right, and Zeke down at the uh, the police, the sheriff's office and things like that. Yeah, Mr. exactly. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Um, and then we have Ned's uh, Ned's two months segment, which um, I thought was also fit into some of those strange roles of like things that they had separate plans about trying to come together. Uh, I will say that, so I, I don't need to harp on it again, but all those things apply. I will say I love that Travis just inserted himself into it. Uh, I thought that was that was really really very fun. And added a little bit of extra spice to something that could have easily been sort of more rote. Let's go through what you did again and have this individual experience. Yeah. Uh, just having Aubrey shouting things in the background was was really quite so, it was quite nice. Yeah, I think I think that was funny. But it gets, it's one of those things that I thought it made for good radio. And so maybe I should just forgive it. But it seemed very unnatural that this... You know, how many times have they met? Twice? Three times, maybe more in the interceding two months, but that she would just be immediately, you know, so in so available. So, I I I don't know. It just seemed like it was it was a great bit, and I thought it was funny. And I think it's true to her character for her to be into something like that. But for them to be such good friends between Ned and Duck and Aubrey already, um, after the origin story where they first came together and didn't know anybody well i wouldn't necessarily throw in that they that aubrey has become friends with duck and ned i think i could see it be that aubrey is hanging around the cryptonomicon is sort of trying to glean what she can from ned and maybe ned is not as into that um but puts up with it yeah Um, that and that could be um it's just that that part of the backstory, that connection, uh, uh, it, it kind of seems like I'm glad they all got back into the same room, but how they all got back into the same room um, well, and wasn't addressed. I may have missed this part. Well, okay. They don't, right? Like, it's just suddenly Griffin says, the four of you are here with Swim Kid. Yeah. Swim Kid comes launch. into the Cryptonomica and... Yeah. And so, you know, you know yes, there um, was some hand-waving, but... I think it makes sense. You know, Ned has a problem. Aubrey overhears. Aubrey calls Barclay. 
Barclay calls the three of them, the chicaners, to the lodge. Right. I guess, um, as like a minor point, I would have liked to experience what that phone call is like the first time they get it as sort of an established pine card. Like, the phone rings and it's Barclay and he's saying, we've got a thing. Or, or it's, you know, Ned and Aubrey have done this. They call Barclay and say, bring him to the lodge. And Ned calls Doc and says, we got to go. I'd like to see them play that out just a little bit, at least for the first time. of like, all right, time to get the team together. We're, we got a thing going on. Well, what's, yeah, that? what's the feel like? Signal? Yeah, because that's, that's the big moment of when the team comes together. It's one thing when the team comes together being forged in the first fight, but when they're doing it as, you know, we're going out again, time to time to pack up and go what does that sound like are they is duck like ah shit all right let's go do this thing or is it more excited like let's go help the town let's go fix this issue um i don't know i was sort of missing even a brief little moment of of transition well and i and i think there's another scene there um or a related scene uh where um you know a swim kid comes into the cryptonomica says hey the water tried to attack me um, and, uh, Ned says, oh, interesting. Follow me to the lodge. Yeah. Why? And what does Swim Kid say? Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Like, okay, what, like, yeah, let's get in your yeah, car and drive into the woods, to the lodge. Right. Uh, it's like. Yeah, why they don't call Barclay down and duck to, in. Yeah. And be like, all right, we're just going to get some backup in. Yeah, why wouldn't you, I mean, I understand that the lodge is, seems like their base of operations, but. I don't know how you get Swim Kid there. Like, yeah, fair point. And I think it would be it would be easier to pitch it as the Cryptonomicon as the base of information as the base of operations because that's where people who experience weird shit are going to go because there's weird shit there. Why yeah. reveal Amnesty Lodge as where the weird stuff uh, connected to the weird stuff? Yeah, uh, agree. yeah. Why would why would you want to invite that connection? Like, all would do is bring... Oh, yeah, I went to them with this weird problem, and uh, they went straight to the lodge. So, uh, I mean, if you're trying to run a secret organization, you don't first invite everybody over to your lair. Right. Oh, you don't? Uh, um, Jake's got to move some meetings. make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> I got to change all these invites. Uh, I hate using punch bowl. <laughs> can't edit anything later. <laughs> But I like my secret invitations to feel so homey. It's got the good art. That good, good art. Um, we end up at the lodge next. And I think the biggest thing I wanted to talk about at this part was sort of how... Um, was a game system remark of how the how the questioning sort of goes and how they gain information, but uh, do either of you guys want to chime in before we sort of talk about higher-level game mechanic stuffs in terms of the direct plot of the interview and things like that? No, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm a, I said no, comma, and then was about to lead into something, so I guess yes. Um, mm-hmm. You've been spending too much time with Colin. No, I but I have several <laughs> opinions anyway. I just really hope that... We get more of the more of the exploration and this information gathering um, than we did in the mini arc, and time constraints recognized absolutely. But I think that 
that's what really sounds exciting to me about, about, about Monster of the Week. Um, and what I love about, you know, all of the Monster of the Week shows. Like, you know, there's the montage of Giles and Buffy in the library. And, I mean, I guess it's just me as a nerd that enjoys library in my, you know, action adventure. <laughs> but um, I think it's going to be a really cool way to explore the lore um, of these stories and of the monsters. Um, so I hope we get more of that. Uh, I actually think the uh, interview part, I, it felt like the most natural and honestly my favorite part of the episode. Because it felt like people just having a conversation. Um, it didn't feel... Uh, the, I feel like there was a lot more give and take and less Griffin trying to force something. And so it seemed a lot more just natural. Um, uh, like the way I think it should feel. So, I mean, I thought... Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, um, including the Clint making the last part of it as creepy as possible uh, for no good reason. Classic. Let me see your ankles, kid. <laughs> or the whole jacket conversation, right? Like, that bit was classic Adventure Zone. Yeah. You know, that just, hey, we are two people who like each other and enjoy making fun of each other. Let's just do this thing. Um... It felt really natural, and it felt like what I come to this show for. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, so the question that I came across is sort of how the Monster of the Week mechanic works with doling out those very specific pieces of information on successful roles. Because there's this list of, of questions that are, that are very specific, and they're in the rulebook. And you get to ask them of... Uh, the witness in this case, a swim kid. Um, but it's clear from the way Griffin frames it, that swim kid doesn't really know all that much. So, and as they're going through it, you like, you get to hold one. So you can ask this question. They attempt to ask Barclay something and says, well, no, no, it has to be in this conversation with swim kid that you get the information. And I, and maybe I'm just, you know, maybe we'll see how this plays out later, but I'm trying to figure out how they're going to really get, those hard facts without having a definitive source of information on which they can rely to get truthful bits out of it. You know, it's one thing that we have a swim kid here and we can talk to him, but swim kid's not going to know like, where did it go? What were it intentions? Was it magical? It like, well, so, I don't know what that is. It's the Mighty Mighty Bostons. Yep. Um, I actually really like that uh, part of the mechanic. Uh, I do think that, you know, uh, Barclay, I don't think, can be off limits for questions. Um, But I like the idea that, you know, you don't have... That there's some mystery to it. That there's not a, a person you can go to who will just give you the answer. It's... Swim Kid can tell you what Swim Kid knows, but he doesn't know a lot. Like, all that happened was, like, what happened happened, and he can relay that information, but he doesn't know anything else. And so now... Yeah. But I, so I guess what I struggle with is sort of as a mechanic that if in the story Swim Kid is 
um, is coming to them for help, why would there be any information that would be up to chance for him to divulge, I guess? Yeah, like, so it I, seems to me that Swim Kid would just tell them everything he had sp- experienced. So, well, like, if they had a successful role or an unsuccessful role, he, they should get the same info. Now, I could see it being framed as them asking better questions to get them to think more critically about their experience that they had and then yeah. maybe gleaning information from that. But in terms of things about, like, what, in terms of the things they shared, it seems like that would be something that would be easily... That the NPC in that situation would more readily share with the investigators, as opposed to things they're going to have to go digging for by studying clues or uh, interacting with sort of peripherally associated either Sylvans or bomb bombs to get those sort of details. Well, and I wonder if that is an an outcome of. Justin's character choice to sort of mask all of this. You know, if they had come out and said, hey kid, that was a monster. We need your help to fight it. Would he have been able to recall more concrete information than Justin saying, you know what, it was just the pool jets or trying to say don't think about it too much or you know maybe swim kid was in shock or you know i I think there are a lot of reasons that a a character might not be able to divulge that information i think i think you're right that that I definitely wanted a little more transparency on the mechanics, but I don't think that, at least right now, the mechanics and the storytelling are at odds. I just think we need a little more crosswalk. But, I mean, I think I think uh, Duck's decision to keep it secret is totally in line with what uh, the Pine Guard's supposed to be doing. Um... I'm not supposed to be drawing. Oh, I, I don't. I don't disagree. I'm just saying that, especially in a game like this, that seems a little less, I guess, role oriented than D and D. You know, I mean, there are a saying, lot. Roll there are a lot two fewer L's, skills, not one L, right? So it means that everything you say has a little bit more consequence because those are. Those are the moments that are informing what comes next, rather than your success on any particular role. Boy, the interchange of the roles there is going to get tricky. Um, yeah. Two L's versus an E. LL versus LE. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I still, I still don't, because I mean, I think he told them what happened, right? Without prompting. But if they want more detailed information, they have to ask the question. Which, I mean, is true of any conversation. You know? Right. I just, I guess the, um, and the fact that it was successful these times was good. I think my concern would be, like, if the things they're sharing are, like, he was underwater and I saw this yellow light. That seems like something you would relate either 
Seems like something you would relate when you're first telling of the experience. This monster pulled me under, and I couldn't see anything. It was just all this yellow light, and then I finally made it back to the surface. And you might blow through it really quickly and get a taste and then want to follow up on it. So it's either um, something that is maybe relevant or something that Griffin just made up on the spot to give them more information to work on. Uh, it definitely it definitely could be, and it could be... Um, I, I don't know that... I think he would have had that because I think you always have to have something, um, you know, in, in the reserves to answer those kind of questions. But I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, if it all happened in a rush, he got pulled under, he was struggling to break free. He broke free. He got out of the pool. He jumped out of the window. Um, like I could see relating that story and not thinking, Oh, what did I see when I was underwater? No, I'm just focused on getting the hell out. And as you retell it, you're not focused on the stuff that... You're focused on the emotions that accompanied the actions. You may not be focusing on, like, these are the things they would need to know. Um, All right, fair. I'll buy that. So, I mean, I, 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 I really like the mechanic of them having to play mystery people. And so far as that's how English works, um, <laughs> uh, I thought I thought, and I thought it was I, I I liked that interaction until Clint made it creepy, um, and I look forward. Now there is going to be there is a good question as to like who else can they ask any of these questions to? Nobody, right? Barclay said they're all different. Uh, Nobody else at the school knows that there's a monster there. Um, like, I don't, I don't know what the next step, like, I don't know how else to use that mechanic. Except on, like, a witness, except on a witness. Well, or I could see, you know, there, I could see a version of it being used as kind of a perception check, right? Like, um... If they're in the pool, they're investigating, like, they're looking at the water, and it looks like a glassy surface, everything's fine. Or, they arrive at the pool, and the pool's empty, and they're like, what the fuck? And, like, okay, you're clearly asking, where did it go? Like, roll, and then you get to know that answer. Where did the pool go? Um, so I could see some of them that are more logistics-oriented being useful in a general investigative sense, versus... Some things that deal with, like, effects and motivations obviously require NPC interaction to draw any of that information out. Well, uh, it, Which I don't know if that means that they're going to learn about each monster uh, but, through interacting with other NPCs who are sort of accosted by it, or if there's going to be a way for them to do more examinations of physical evidence, or um, finding a mystery tome that yeah. has details that they can then pull stuff from. Yeah, uh, and that's I'll a good curious, point. You know, it was easy a little bit on the mini arc because it was sort of like you just fought the monster a couple times and learned some stuff about it. And now in the long form, I would imagine Griffin's going to have a, a much clearer picture of the steps he wants them to do to get enough details and paint that picture. And I think it gives him more leeway to be creative in sort of burying some facts in different, either talking to certain NPCs or investigating and asking the right question at this place or something along those lines. Yeah. And that's fair. I didn't think about 
those questions being used as perception rules. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. He's he did that previously. He's like roll and uh, you know they see a trail of water or something. Um, uh, and I mean, I it does seem I am hopeful that this investigation phase will be better than the one in the mini arc, which consisted of, hey, fire hurts it. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think the question's going to be whether it's, <clears throat> hopefully it's better than the one in the mini arc, and hopefully we don't end up with the same issue that happened to Travis and Dust, where there were more clues they could have found, but they got to the clue that led to the answer, and therefore arc is over. Yeah, um, I don't know. To be fair, if the clue that led to the end of uh, Dust was um, going to see the Banshee, like, he had two guys show up in episode two and say, hey, go see the Banshee. Like, did he did he not think that that would lead to the end of the... I universe? mean, based on the, the Adventure Zone zone, it seems like he thought that some of the interaction with the Banshee would go kind of differently. Um, so it would play out on a longer form or maybe if they'd arrived in episode two maybe travis had a different set of information he was willing to part with versus on episode three yeah and that's that's possible but i was based on what the information the banshee had to share uh the i mean the art and i think we even mentioned it it could have been over in three episodes like it, it was not that layered when you get down to the actual mystery of it it yeah. was Go visit the Banshee. She tells you, don't trust this guy. You break into his house, and you find out he's the guy. Anyway, not to revisit uh, Dust for too long. Um, uh, I do have a lot of hopes for how this, this one could turn out. It It is better than, um, I think it's a, a good, a big improvement over what we got during the mini arc. I'm really encouraged by what we heard today. Um, or not today. I don't know. Um, I think sort of the setup that we got and the openness um, felt really cool. Um, so I'm encouraged to see what we find next. Our friends over at the Dream Podcast, uh, Dice Rule Everything Around Me, at Dice Rule Pod on Twitter um, agree that they're really sort of um, encouraged by what we're hearing and sort of the, the room that Griffin is leaving for the boys to play in. Um, so we're excited to see where this is going forward. Yeah. It seems like Griffin has taken some of our, uh, our criticisms to heart and whether it was the result of the mini arcs being short form that they sort of had to compromise on some of their storytelling goals in terms of how the group works together. Or if it was really hearing some of the fan feedback on um, during the mini arcs about wanting the bit of the old Taz goofs back all that space. Um, it seems like we're going to get it. We're going to get what we want. It's not going to be here. There be goblins. It's probably going to be, you know, Stolen Century onwards. Um, 
maybe maybe a little bit earlier in terms of um, structure versus versus sort of uh, improv's work. You know, I think Griffin definitely has more of a, Griffin having a plan from day one for this arc um, really means that he clearly will have a defined story to get through. Mm-hmm. But I think he's going to leave enough space that we're going to get what we want out of a Taz season two. I am very, very hopeful of that. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think, I mean, like I said, I think it sounded a lot better than the mini art. So I'm a little bit heartened. Um, I am a little bit wary of the fact that he already has it planned out. But uh, I guess we'll see. So, I mean, if, if you're worried about, I guess, where it's planned out, is that... Is it time for us to go to the zone of postulation? Zone of postulation. So next week we'll be in <clears throat> Amnesty episode 7 or... Chris says two. next week like it's not coming on Friday. Or episode 2.2 2. next... I mean, listen. Griffin said it's coming on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Griffin said it's coming on Friday, but it, you know, things happen. Yeah, Children you never exist. Know. They could get delayed. Stuff wouldn't come out right. Maybe he's writing a song. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> our episode next week will be about the next episode of Amnesty. Season 2, episode 7, or episode 2.2, depending on your uh, proclivities around numbering conventions. I think we're going to get... I think that episode is going to focus on an investigation of the school... I'm going to call that investigation getting derailed by some sort of authority figure. Uh, I imagine Duck and the vice principal like having a bit or Ned and a principal having a bit where like, we're here to investigate the school. It's like, well, you can't come in. It's like, oh, we just want to see what the kid was swimming in. It's like, well, that's super weird. And like, no, but it's fine. And, you know, back and forth and back and forth. Um, which I think is going to mean we don't get a lot of plot advancement next episode, but I think it's going to be a funny one. So I postulate that at the end of the episode, Mama will come back with some information about why the pattern of bomb bombs coming is changing. Um, and sort of it will be like, that last, you know, the last moment of the episode will be Mama coming through to be like, wait, I I figured something out, or I have information for you. Coming back from, I would imagine, the Sylvain. Um, because she's too important to stay on the sidelines for too long. Also, it's a Griffin McElroy story, so there needs to be a competent woman to save everyone. <laughs> Uh, agreed. Um, I think uh, they're gonna get into the pool place, the pool hall, the the swimatorium, swim zone. Uh, no, swim zone's better. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. Uh, they're gonna get to the swim zone. Um, they will find a way to fight the monster real easily. Um, Aubrey will just boil all the water, and then they'll have to fight a steam monster. And uh, that's when shit will really go south. Will it be a steam punk monster? 
That was, that, was no. that was a stretch. Chris head. has kicked off the podcast. Yeah. Hmm. I have a picture of like I, I got the sock puppet ready and like a Misfits T-shirt, but it's made out of steam. It's very good. So wait, that's very when good. you said okay, steampunk. I need you to draw that for me, and no, I'll post it on our Twitter. Ugh, no one wants that. I'll work on it. I got a plan play tomorrow. Yeah, I got yeah. some time. What are you drawing? Uh, oof. Follow me on Twitter. You'll find out. Yeah, let's not focus on it. All right, well, that is our postulations. Uh, thanks for listening to We Do That. Next time, we'll be discussing the second episode of Season 2, Amnesty, which we will figure out how to number. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at we do that underscore pod and tweet at us using the ataz_fancast hashtag or Taminist Z. Or you can email us at wedothatpod at gmail.com. Send us your reactions, thoughts, and theories. So that we can shamelessly steal them. I haven't been able to steal very many yet, and I'm really tired of having to do all this thinking on my own. It's tough. Special thanks to The Early for our intro and outro music. New episodes of We Do That come out every Monday after The Adventure Zone. If you enjoyed this week, like sometimes they don't, but we're really trying it. I love you all dearly. We're going to get it right. Once they're on right Thursday, which they still aren't, we're going to be on right Monday. I kind of promise. Right. Uh, Anyway, if you enjoy listening to We Do That, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and share this with all of your friends that you think might enjoy it. And some of the ones who won't enjoy it. Bye, everybody. <laughs>